0: This is two girls, one ghost. Two
1: girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne, and that is Sabrina. We are your spooky ghostesses on this eve of Halloween. Well, the weekend before. Is it
0: Halloween Eve? <laughs> it's Sunday. Halloween is on Wednesday. It's been the eve of Halloween since last year. To be real, true, and actually, when this comes out, you'll be with me in Boston. We will
1: have just gone to Salem and done all of the fun Salem stuff with our friend Allie. Mm-hmm. I am so Saturday excited. we're doing Boston
0: stuff. Yeah, it's going to
1: be great. It's the one thing getting me through this week because I can't wait to just get my freak on.
0: Get your freak on. Get your freak on. Wait, have you decided your costume? Because before you were back and forth on things.
1: You know, I have a costume. Will I be that? I don't know. Will I change my mind last second? Probably. <laughs> Okay, all right. Wow. Well. Okay, so I had a crazy dream the other night, and I don't know why this happened, but I was reading Claire Liz Sauer's book, yes. and I was reading it as I went to bed, and I fell asleep, and I had a dream where I was petting Leia, and all of a sudden, Leia morphed into Ted Bundy, and oh. Ted Bundy tried to kill me, and it was because Ted Bundy had learned how to be an amorphous I think, like, remember the books, Animorphs? So he learned how to morph into animals, and so he morphed into Leia to try to kill me. That's really scary.
0: But also really exciting. Really exciting. I use Ted Bundy for my example for everything. Every time someone's like, oh, but he's a nice guy. Oh, but, like, it's you don't have to worry. I'm like, Ted Bundy was a nice guy. Ted Bundy, yeah. Bundy said you didn't have to worry. Ted Bundy was
1: a charmer. He was a cutie. I probably would have hit on him when I was single had he been... My age now.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, you might not have made it. You're kind of his type.
1: Yep. And I'm really weak. So I for sure would not have made it.
0: I definitely wouldn't have made it because, well, that might not be true. But he (laughs) did have a thing for brunettes with middle parts. And that's me. I was his ideal victim. You really were. Although he, I'm a lot heavier than I look. I'm very sturdy to the (laughs) ground. So in terms of capturing me and putting me in the back of his car, it would have been a lot of extra effort. Yeah. He might have given up. Halfway
1: through, (laughs) I don't know. It's it's, who knows. I'm just glad neither of us will ever be in that position. Hopefully, knock on wood.
0: Scary.
1: You know what else is scary is that my dreams are more exciting than my actual life.
0: Yeah, but all dreams are like that. You know, they're just wild. You wouldn't actually enjoy your life if that was your life. You'd be stressed out. Your hair would be falling out. You wouldn't. That's not an exciting life. That's there's something so special about feeling comfortable. You know. And just being able to come home and not Not have your CO2 alarm blaring like mine was.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, we've had a whole debacle today. Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: We're recording an hour and a half late because last night my smoke alarms in my apartment went off. They kept going off and we didn't know why. And so then we called maintenance and then they came and they couldn't figure it out. We don't know what caused that, but also my CO2 alarm was going off. So I might die. (laughs) Scary. Scary. Um,
1: oh, we finally got our audio for from uh, our live show
0: and Oh yeah, the podcast festival that we attended, Outliers yes. Podcast Festival. We went there September twenty ninth out in LA and they recorded what we said.
1: And we're gonna post it on our Patreon. If I can get my shit together, probably not, but maybe, maybe on Halloween for our Patreon donors. If not, we'll post it the next week because we'll all be really sad that Halloween's over and so we'll be all depressed together and we'll want to cry and so I'll post it on Patreon so we can be like, ooh, spooky.
0: Yes, that would be exciting. (laughs) You want to know what else is spooky in my life right now? I have proof that our phones listen to us actual proof and all of you guys were here for this as well because last episode you made a costume suggestion and then i joked that it was just like the office where jim dresses up as dwight Mm -hmm. and he goes bears beats battlestar galactica Mm -hmm. never have i ever googled that and also i've never watched the office on netflix or on my computer i only watched it like on my home television like back in the day when it was on live but after i said that to you last episode i go on to instagram and i'm scrolling through and there's an ad for a shirt that says bears beats battlestar galactica
1: they are 100 listening
0: that is so obscure. Like, why would they ever suggest that for me? Number one, I don't even wear graphic tees. So it's not like I'm searching things, anything like that. Unless there are two girls, one ghost. Obviously, you wear those. Oh, well, I wear those. Because <laughs> those ones are cute. <laughs> yeah, but like, typically, I'm not searching. Right. Like That's graphic crazy. Tees. Let's
1: just say a bunch of random things and do a test and see if they show up. Office chair. Pickled green beans. That sounds really good, actually. A new cat. Another cat. Not a new one. Sorry, Leah. I'm not going to replace you.
0: <laughs> Harry Potter
1: jelly beans. The vomit flavored ones?
0: Yeah, or earwax. Uh I almost said tickle me with
1: a feather. <laughs> tickle me with a feather. I don't even want to know what ad comes up with that.
0: Tickle me with a feather. Locals in your area only a few minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going to come up for you.
1: Oh god, the feather fetish
0: group. Oh yeah, speaking of feather fetish, not that do you uh, have why one? am I saying that? No, but I still haven't seen that documentary, Tickled, that you told me to watch so you long me ago. You do it so good. I know, but I just have never been – I'm always alone, and then I'm like, do I really want to get into this? <laughs> it's kind of a good one to watch alone
1: because you don't know how other people are going to react to it. So if you watch it alone, you don't have to be in that awkward place of like,
0: oh, we're all very uncomfortable right now. That's true. I have only recommended it. Or, like, suggested to watch it when in a group. And that's already tough just when you're in a group in general because a lot of people aren't documentary people. Right. So I've never I've never heard a yes from anyone, but I guess I'll put it on my watch alone list. Yes. <laughs> do you have a watch alone list? I do. Some of them, yeah. Or, like, watch separate from your parents
1: list. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember I saw – I went to when Superbad came out. I went to the movie theaters with my mom to see that. My mom was like, ooh, this looks funny. Let's go. And it was – Wait, I did too. Really? It was one of the most awkward experiences. I was too young. I was like going through puberty and like my mom was sitting next to me and I couldn't tell if she thought it was funny or if she hated it. So I didn't know if I could laugh.
0: (laughs) Superbad was so funny. (laughs) My parents, they have certain shows that they draw the shades for, you know, when we're out in the family room like we all watch Dexter together mm-hmm. and Dexter has a lot of nude scenes and so after the first one my parents were like yeah whenever we watch Dexter we're just gonna close the shade so our neighbors don't <laughs> think we're weird
1: <laughs> <laughs> they think your family's all watching porn together <laughs> no far oh, that from would it. be we're watching a,
0: a murderous blood thirsty splatter analyst oh yeah is great. I can't imagine that being a blood splatter analyst is a, a pleasant smelling job. No, yeah, probably not. You probably have to cover up in a lot of
1: cologne or perfume after that job. I imagine you kind of smell of it for a while.
0: I'm actually so excited about our topic this week. Me fracking
1: too. Fracking too, man. I have been waiting for this one for very long. And the great thing is it's Perfect for this week because it's spooky time. It's time to do a séance.
0: A séance. It's almost Halloween. That's when all the ghosts come down, and you can put your little board out and do your séance.
1: Yes, or go to your local shop where your friends and you will gather around a table with candles, a dim light, and you'll call to the other side.
0: And maybe we will answer. Ah,
1: <gasps> we won't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We definitely won't. Yeah, we're alive. I know some people have have questions about that, have speculated that perhaps we are not made of flesh and bone and we are just ghosts recording a podcast. But
1: I think we're real. I've questioned that for sure. I've been like, oh, maybe I am dead. So yeah, it's a If I was dead, I would hope
0: that I wouldn't have to do this maintenance of like shaving legs and stuff.
1: I know. I hope
0: that's not what happens in death.
1: I know. I really hope there's like no jobs you don't have to like do any maintenance you can change your hairstyle easily without having to drive like an hour to go to your
0: hairstylist or maybe there are jobs and you can just be whatever you want to be like it doesn't matter you could be a guinea pig handler you could just do anything (laughs) you're just like you know what i want to do money doesn't matter now i'm just gonna go around and hang with the guinea pigs can i be a puppeteer you could – that's also creepy, so I probably wouldn't hang out with you. I hate puppets. I hate them. <laughs> the only non-creepy puppet thing that's ever happened was when uh, the bye, 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 the music video. Oh, my God. Where they were like the little puppets. With their hands. The ma- – something starts with an M. Don't know words. It's not intelligent. Muppets? What? <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> what is it called? The – a marionette. I was trying to say oh. a marionette doll. I was okay. like, starts with an M. Know. Don't know it because I'm stupid.
1: You're not stupid. Marionette. You're a wonderfully intelligent young woman, way. Corinne, and you inspire oh, me thanks. and everyone every single day.
0: Bullshit. All right. Let's hear about your
1: seance. Okay. Well, I chose the Fox sisters who are Margaret, Kate, and Leah Fox, the women who played a very important, not if not the most most important role in the creation of spiritualism in the late 1800s. They are recognized as conducting the first ever seance ever recorded in text. So aka, they're the OG rappers and not like not like rapper in the sense that we understand it, but rappers in the sense of like knocking and communicating with spirits kind of rapping.
0: They're the mamas of the seance. They are. What a claim to fame. Like what, what else can we do these days that someone else hasn't? Not much.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, go to Mars. Duh. Oh, Although okay. I was just listening to the Ologies podcast episode about Mars and it made me reconsider a little bit.
0: I haven't listened to the Mars one.
1: It's really I'll good. have to
0: do that one. I did listen to the sleep one. Me and too. I, since I didn't sleep last night because of the alarm, I was like, well, now I'm going to – like I knew all the things about sleep deprivation and I was like, yep. I'm just going to have to go to the hospital now.
1: So I, did, I did don't have insomnia, but after listening to that one, I had like crazy anxiety about falling asleep. And I often get anxiety about falling asleep because I love sleep so much that when I lay in bed, I just want to sleep so badly that like sometimes I can't because I want it too bad. And then yes, listening to that made me experience one of those experiences again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, oh my god, Corinne, there is an EVP in our episode last week. Wait, what? And it is a full-on growl. You guys, you have to listen. Wait, are you kidding
0: me? No, I— Sabrina, where is this coming from? Why haven't you brought this up to me before? Because— Why are you telling me at night when we're recording?
1: (laughs) Because everyone told me this yesterday. So Lindsay, who does our merch, told me yesterday, and then also um, Justin emailed us. At 20 minutes and 12 seconds in episode 61, there is a growl. like a full growl and there's no way it's coming from either side of our audio because you are talking seriously, and you silence my end of the audio when I'm when you're when you're not when you're talking so it's like neither of us I don't know are you sure it wasn't just your stomach I mean it could have been but like
0: I don't think I was hungry that day I'm scared oh god I want to know where it was coming from I hope it wasn't I know sorry I hope it's not at yours either but like I hope it- <laughs> It's not in my apartment i
1: know i was telling Lindsay. i was like shit i'm going to visit corinne i really don't want to tell her because but then i was like shit what if it is at her place
0: oh my god sorry okay we can move Freaking on i'm gonna flip my shit <laughs> okay let's keep going okay so back to after we talked about sleep deprivation now i'm definitely not gonna sleep good night <sighs> sleep day.
1: okay the fox sisters so this story begins in a haunted house as all good stories do right yes of course michael weekman He resided in a small cottage in Hydesville, New York, which is a town that no longer exists, by the way, uh, which is crazy. Could you imagine being like someone asking you like where you're from? And then you say,
0: oh, this town. And they're like, oh, where's that? And you say, it doesn't exist. Was it just absorbed into another town or was it renamed or like what happened? Uh,
1: I didn't get the dirt, um, but I think it was absorbed because there is like a park with a memorial to the town. In, the, in Arcadia, okay. New York. So Michael Weakman lived in this home. And he'd been living in the home for two years. And they had been the most horrible and frightening years of his life. By the time he was able to move out, people reported that he was a completely changed man. A weaker man. Wink, wink. That's his last name. Weakman. The horrible last name. Um, so Michael Weakman, he finally moved out of his house. And he left without ever looking back. And then he put the house up for sale. Enter the Fox family. John and Margaret Fox were a lovely couple, and they had, I think, seven children, but the story revolves around three of their daughters. So Kate, 11, Margaret, who goes by Maggie, 15, and Leah, 35. Leah was actually living on her own at the time, so that John and Margaret, the parents, moved into this house with Kate and Maggie. And mm-hmm. they found this house. is the perfect cottage. It was not too far from Leah and some of their other family members, and they were like, great, we're moving in. So they moved in on December 11th of 1847, and immediately, strange noises began to plague the family. They would hear loud cracks, thuds, knocks, and sounds that sounded like furniture moving across the hardwood floor. It was terrifying, and it would keep them up all hours of the night, and it would also bother them throughout the day. So it was just like, incessant incest, insistent, oh my god, I can't speak, nonstop, <laughs> Incessant. Oh my God! Now you're
0: right. Like why can't? Okay. If you're stupid, I'm
1: stupider. So,
0: incessant. Right. Incessant. Yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: (laughs) Also, I noticed. I I said, if you're stupid, I'm stupider. Isn't it? You're. I'm more stupid.
0: (laughs) If you're stupid, I'm stupider. That's the theme song to our new cartoon show. <laughs> Two girls, one
1: ghost. If you're stupid, I'm stupider. <laughs> okay. By March of 1848, the family was at their wits end. They were just like, I can't deal with this anymore. The Whatever this was, was harassing them nonstop. And so on the evening of March 31st, after many, many, many restless nights, John and Margaret sent Maggie and Kate to bed at six o'clock. And they were like, all right, we're all going to go to bed super early. We're going to try and catch up on our sleep. As soon as Maggie and Kate got into bed, the noises began. And then the sounds vibrated through the walls of the cottage. The floorboards creaked and shook. The ceilings started rattling. The bedsteads and door frames started pounding. And the sounds were just coming from everywhere, louder than they had ever been before. So Maggie and Kate, who are 11 and 15, they get out of bed. They're terrified. And they start following the sounds. They're, like, curious at the same time. And they start following the sounds. And wherever they went, the sounds were following them. And their mom, Margaret, was so sure that a demon had possessed their home, but she also at the same time was like, but this doesn't exist. This doesn't make any sense. It's just like so confusing. They – the concept of demons and spirits was a very – it wasn't talked about. It wasn't a thing that people were – Faux
0: pas. Yeah, it was
1: a faux pas. Thank you. So in a first-person testimony on the night of March 31st, Margaret woke up and she went to go check on her children after all these sounds started happening, and her youngest, Kate – started to tell her how she learned how to communicate with the spirit. And so she told her mom, look, watch, I'll show you. And in quotes, she said, Mr. Splitfoot, do as I do. And so she clapped her hand and almost instantly a sound followed with the same number of claps. And then,
0: oh, no. uh-huh. uh.
1: <laughs> And then her sister Maggie said, no, do as I do and clapped her hands four times. And then the sound repeated four claps
0: who are they seeing did these kids did they see something or were they just shooting the shit and this happened i think they were just like
1: probably joking around and like clapping and then they would get responses and so they were like oh maybe this is a way to communicate i don't know so kate must have seen the fear in margaret her mother's eyes because then in a childish voice she goes oh mother i know what it is tomorrow's april fool's day and someone's just trying to fool us and margaret was just like uh this is scary and she was like uh i need like a minute you guys stay here so she excuses herself and goes to a private room and just to be alone and so while she's alone she's like maybe they are actually talking with a spirit and so she's like i'm gonna try it so she follows her daughter's technique and she asks the spirit to to wrap which is knocking her children's ages. So instantly, her children's ages were given. And like I said, she has seven children. And so the spirit went through all seven of her children, knocking exact amount of times for how old each one of them are. Pausing between each of them. Yeah, And then there was a long silence after the seventh one. And then there were three more raps. And Margaret starts like, shaking because she had just lost a child that was three years old oh no whatever this thing was knew knew that she had lost a child knew the ages of all her children it was just like crazy so now she's horrified and so she's sure that something crazy is going on it's more and it's like beyond their understanding it's something from the spirit realm and so she asks is this a spirit and the spirit knocked She said, if this is an injured spirit, make two raps. And then two raps followed so loudly that the whole building trembled. And keep in mind, she's alone doing this, which is just.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to have a heart attack and die on the spot.
1: And so she says out loud, were you injured in this house? Knock, knock. Is the person living that injured you? Knock, knock. Margaret kept using this questioning technique to ascertain that the man was actually 31 years old, had been murdered in the house, and his remains were buried in the cellar. So Margaret sent her husband, John, to go call for the neighbors. If anything horrible were to happen, they wanted to have some witnesses and then also, like, I don't know, maybe some sacrifices, like take them, leave us, Mm -hmm. you know? that's what I would do. Right. So, John comes back with all the neighbors. He brings the Redfields, the Doozlers, and the Hides. These are all their neighbors. And they just fill the home. They all, it's late at night. They're standing with candles and witnessing the birth of spiritualism and it, technically the first seance. So, Mr. Doozler, one of the neighbors, starts asking questions. He asks, Were you murdered? Knock, knock. Can your murderer be brought to justice? Silence. In a series of questions, Mr. Duesler learned that the man was murdered in the east bedroom about five years ago and that the murder was committed by a Mr. Blank. They couldn't figure out the name, but it was a man. On a Tuesday night at 12 o'clock and that he was murdered by having his throat cut with a butcher's knife and the body was taken oh. through the house down the stairway and that it was buried 10 feet below the surface of the ground and through these questions they also found out that the motive was based on money and when they asked how much money they like were like was it $100 and they were silent when they got to $500 they knocked the spirit knocked so they ascertained that it was $500 that caused this murder
0: wow okay
1: and so word quickly Which that was a lot back in the day yeah, right? oh yeah this is the 1800s that's a freaking short load um by the way did you win the lottery
0: no Oh. I didn't. Did anyone? Yes. One single winner in like South Carolina or something won the $1.6 billion jackpot for the Mega Millions. That is insane. One single winner. And then there were like 20 some tickets that also got all five numbers without the multiplier, Uh. which I believe was a million dollars. So there were like 20 people that won a million dollars. My gosh, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, but the the pool, the lottery pool that I'm in at work, they're going to take – we won like 50 bucks collectively nice. from all of our tickets. And they're going to use that money to then buy us all Powerball tickets. So we'll see if we win the Powerball this week. Okay, so you still have a chance. I still have a chance to retire. Okay,
1: keep us updated. Okay, so – so then basically this is happening all night and the next day freaking everyone in town knows about it this is just a hot topic and it's like gossiping everyone's like what the heck's going on I have to see this for myself so day and night for the next few days the house was constantly filled with people people coming from the town people coming from all over just to figure out what's happening and witness it for themselves and on April 1st so the day after this big night happened when they figured out how to talk to the ghost, they started to dig in the cellar, but the ground was too cold and they had to give up. Margaret, the mom, was still very unsure of the cause. She wasn't a believer in haunted houses or supernatural occurrences, and she was kind of ashamed by all of this attention and excitement and just embarrassed that, like, you know, it's, like, bad, like, press, kind of, for her family. Right. Right. And, of course, with this kind of publicity, like people are going to be doubtful and skeptical of what's going on. And they're just like, we're just trying to live our lives. We were just trying to sleep.
0: L-M-L-M-L. Let me live my life.
1: I know. So when summer came around, the family and the town resumed their efforts to dig up a body. And when they hit five feet, they found a plank. Right below the plank, they found human hair and pieces of bones. So it was just like a few bones. And they brought in medical professionals to examine them and they pronounced that they belonged to a human skeleton, but they didn't know oh. where the rest of the body was. So although they found partial remains, the wraps continued along with all these like weird sounds, like gurgling of a throat, like the death sounds that, you know, people talk about when someone dies, the sound that comes out of their mouth. Apparently that was a noise mm-hmm. that people started hearing, which is oh, a so scary. And yeah. they heard heavy dragging along the floors and people kind of theorized that that was the sound of the body like it's like a residual energy of the murder when it happened the body being dragged across the floor. So Kate and That's, Maggie were sent to live with other siblings because of all the stuff and it was just like you guys can't live at home. So Kate took refuge at her brother's house in Auburn and Mar- Maggie at her sister's Leah in Rochester. But that was not the end of the raps because at those places they started hearing raps and knocks on the walls. They followed them to wherever they went. Oh, wow. And there was this couple, Amy and Isaac Post, a radical Quaker couple and family friends of the Fox family. And they were so intrigued by all of this that they invited Kate and Maggie into their home. And Isaac went into it with skepticism. But upon hearing the raps, he was convinced. And then also Leah, the older sister that Maggie had gone to stay with, apparently mm-hmm. is also a medium and while she was with amy and isaac and maggie and kate she also proved that like she had medium abilities and she said that she was communicating with a recently deceased daughter so the, amy and isaac post had recently lost a daughter and leah was talking with her in front of them
0: wait is this the same three-year-old daughter
1: this is 34 year old daughter. Is this is
0: a, a different oh, okay. oh sorry, sorry
1: so this is a different family so this is amy and isaac post which is a family f- friends of the fox family
0: Sorry, there are just so many names. Yeah,
1: there are a lot of names. But
0: basically, (laughs) they
1: invited – they just thought Kate and Maggie's abilities were so interesting that they wanted to see it for themselves. And so they invited them over and then like all three of these daughters, Kate, Maggie, and Leah, kind of just wowed them with their abilities. And so Amy and Isaac Post went around telling all of their other Quaker friends – about this ability and that they could talk to the other side, to spirits from the other side, and these people became the core of spiritualists and the development of spiritualism. On November fourteenth of eighteen forty nine, the post rented the largest hall in Rochester, New York, and invited four hundred people to come hear the mysterious noises. And it's kind of, I mean it's hard because if you think about it, these girls were Kate and Maggie were respectively 11 and 15 years old maybe give or take a few years and they were doing all this stuff without their parents and so after this big performance they were taken into a back room alone with like pr- like people who wanted to examine them because they were skeptical oh, so they were dis- yeah robed. that's a big
0: no 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 yeah
1: it's horrible oh, i
0: don't like hearing about this i know
1: well so these people came and like disrobed them and examined them just to, like make sure that there was no evidence of a hoax and it's just it's just oh yeah i'm sure that's all they did right so this began the long history of public events where spiritualist mediums contacted the other side so like whenever you hear of these big events of people hosting a seance and stuff the very first was the one that kate and maggie hosted in rochester new york in 1849 and so wild i know it's crazy and so they became so famous and they embarked on a professional tour to spread the word of spiritu- spiritualism and talking to spirits throughout the world they hosted public séances in new york city and, and mostly in 1850 and they invited tons of like people to come attend lots of famous people like new york city society elite were all there admission was a dollar and a lot of people would come to try to like disprove their techniques and then others would try to imitate them and like do their own and try to steal their business. So it just became this like crazy market and everyone wanted in on it. Oh, it's also there's like, it's interesting in that area, in that time, there was ideas of mysticism, trances, hypnotic healing and magnetic fluids, all of this really crazy stuff like afterlife rules, traveling through dimensions, that like mm-hmm. all of this stuff was like, kind of coming out then and it was spreading across from America all the way through European countries and the world so americans who adopted spiritualism believed that had a hand in their own salvation and they were able to talk with people who had passed on and get insight into their own fates and so eventually leah and kate kind of started like doing their own things leah stayed in new york and she would entertain people in a seance room kind of like a typical day uh, psychic where you go to like a psychic shop she would do that Right. And then they would travel together. Kate and Maggie would take their show to, like, all these different cities. They went to Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, St. Louis, Washington, D.C., and Philadelphia. And they became so well-known. And a lot of people would ask for, you know, like, love interest things. They'd ask, like, silly questions. But then also they after the war it became a really big thing like people were trying to speak to loved ones that they had lost in the war or who had never come back and they were just like trying to make contact with them so they like, mm-hmm. it was like a very healing process for a lot of people and maggie met alicia kane who called her out as a fraud and even though he couldn't prove it he like still like wouldn't believe her but then they fell in love it was this really weird thing i think he was a lot older than her and he promised to marry her only if she would give up her life of deceit basically he was like
0: why would she like him back
1: i don't know but she did and they got married in 1857 and then he died and so she converted to catholicism in his honor and then she began drinking drinking i said drinking Mm -hmm. she began drinking Meanwhile, Kate married a spiritualist and continued to develop her medium powers, translating spirit messages. It was crazy. She would write a message in one hand while speaking to other people. So like basically like spirits were talking through her and writing messages through her hand. And words would appear spontaneously on papers. I'm sure being there was so incredible. She claimed to have summoned the ghost of Benjamin Franklin. So basically by the end of the end of civil war there was about eight million spiritualists in the united states and europe and it was just blown up but again kate too was overwhelmed by all of this and she too began to drink so like i said the lack of parental supervision was very destructive for both of these women and Leah, although she was 34 was kind of like their stage mom and was like, let's make more money. Let's keep doing more. One track mind, money, money, money. And at a point, Kate and Maggie were just so fed up with all of this. And they got in a fight with their sister, Leah, and a lot of other people because Leah tried to take away Kate's children. Oh. Because she was drinking <laughs> so much. It was just like, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell who was in the right and who was in the wrong because I'm sure if they were alcoholics, maybe they weren't able to take care of their children and Leah was helping, but also... Leah clearly okay. kind of took advantage of their their abilities, and um, yeah, it's tough.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, yeah because like you want the family to step in and to help the children, you know, but at the same time, it's like yeah, is it for the right reasons? Their career started tanking, and they were running out of money, and all these
1: people were trying to expose them as frauds and fake. And so, someone eventually offered them a thousand five hundred dollars, and this is in eighteen eighty eight, so that's a lot of money to expose their methods, and give an exclusive story. So Maggie appeared at the New York Academy of Music on October 21st of 1888 with Kate present, present and before an audience of 2,000 people, Maggie demonstrated how she could produce at will these raps audible throughout the theater. So this is where the story gets very complicated, and so many people fight about it, because it's very possible all of this was a fraud, in that Mm, And so she tells the story of how when Maggie and Kate were kids, they began deceiving their parents for fun and they learned how to like, so they said that at night when we went to bed, we used to tie an apple on a string and move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor or we would drop it on the floor, making a very strange noise and then it would bounce. And then they started learning how to manipulate their knuckles, joints and toes to make these knocking rapping sounds and they it's really hard to decide what's real and what's not because some of these stories made them out to be like really really evil children who just like loved messing with their mom and making her miserable and so they would make these noises all night and all day to make their mom think the house was haunted and so basically their careers just tanked after that they they were outed as frauds they everything they had ever done in the past was no longer believed they couldn't get a job they just kept drinking because it was their only choice and a year or no i think it was like a month later no it was a year so a year later after saying that it was a hoax maggie recanted her confession insisting that the spirits had beseeched her to do so so did the ghosts hate that they were selling out and using this ability to make money and they were like you can't do it anymore tell everyone it's a hoax
0: or like trying to backtrack out of something that you're too deep in and you're like i don't want to be this person anymore i don't want to deal with this life like i'll just say all this other stuff
1: yeah the truth is unknown and people can argue about this with us if they want but i have no decision because i'm an indecisive person and i wasn't there and i can't make i can't make a conclusive uh, opinion about it but there are some interesting things. So people like to sense, cite the presence of medianship throughout their lineage. And it was present, as we've discussed before, how it's often past the maternal side of the family. So their mm-hmm. great-grandmother was a which is someone who sleepwalks. And in her dreams, she also had premonitions. So in her dreams, she would attend phantom funerals of people who were still alive. And then when she would wake up, she would describe every single detail of the funeral that she went to. And almost like a few months later, that funeral would happen and it would be exactly as she described.
0: Ooh, Mm -hmm. that's creepy. I know. Oh, I would not want that. (laughs) I would not want that because she knows who. Yeah. Like once you realize that it's actually something that's going to come true, like. How could you keep that from people? Right. And how could you deal with? How could you act normal around someone? Would you tell them? So many, so many questions. Who knows
1: if she knew the exact date? She may have just known like the image, and then have no idea any other detail. Until like, do you? You, you can't really tell someone, hey, I know you're gonna die, but I don't know when. You know. Yeah. But then, yeah. an aunt of theirs. Her name was Mrs. Elizabeth Higgins. She apparently had a dream with. Of her own tombstone. And it had the date that she died inscribed in it. And she actually died on the day that it was inscribed in her dream.
0: I don't even know what to think about it. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed.
1: I know. Okay. So to wrap up the story. It's a sad ending. But an interesting oh, ending. No. There, There is a okay. twist coming. Okay. Not to ruin it. I already did. Damn it. I'm such a bad storyteller. <laughs> I'm too excited. Okay. So Kate and Maggie both became alcoholics, and Kate died in 1892, and then Margaret died, Maggie died a year later, and Maggie's last words were, give me one more drink. But that is not the end of the story, because fast forward to 1904, so twenty eighteen 18 years after they both died, there are a bunch of school children playing in the area of the sisters' childhood home in Hydesville, New York. Mm-hmm. When they stumble upon the majority of a skeleton that was in between this the walls that were crumbling of the house,
0: oh wait this the skeleton of the guy,
1: uh-huh so it appeared that someone had murdered a man in that home and hid their body, but the theory is that it was missing. That because they found those few little bones and hair fragments underground, the theory is that whoever killed this person and buried them later moved the body into the in between the walls because they thought it was safer and more hidden there.
0: So it wasn't a
1: hoax. So it's very unsure, and people can people online argue all about that and that like those bones were planted there, or that like someone was trying to plant play a joke. Mm -hmm. But who knows? And Maggie and Kate, since dying, have chosen to withhold their touch from the other side. Perhaps as a fuck you for not believing in us. They've never made contact.
0: Dude, I would too. it would be like, big fuck you. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you owe it to anyone else once you're done? Like, once you've crossed over, it's just like, whatever. I know. Live your stupid little life, you little pea brain American (laughs) person. (laughs) I'm talking about myself right now. (laughs) You can't even remember how to say marionette. <laughs> <laughs> they know the truth. They know the truth. Wow. Okay. I had no, like, I did not know any uh-huh. of this. Uh-huh. Isn't it crazy? It's so interesting. That's the Fox sisters, and they started all of this. They did the first seance, and it's just, yeah, it's a fascinating story. Makes me so sad to think about some of the things that they went through when they were little, like, hoax or not, you know, like, that's another thing. I don't think it's a hoax. Why would you, as a small child, just be, like undressed and let people probe you and look for wires and whatever
1: right it's so horrible because i'm sure so much of what actually happened behind closed doors will never be known and never has been reported because why would they right and like i feel like in the 1800s people thought they had the right to do anything so especially to like little innocent girls who have no parents watching over them to protect them wow it's an interesting story. I'd love to hear what people think because it I mean, reminds
0: me, honestly, of like a circus tale, you know, like yeah. the kids who get drafted, not drafted, but, you know, like join the circus and live this kind of like a weird, different life. And all these people come in and just influence them and right. have like both positive and negative effects. On I mean, I guess that's life, you know, it's life. But,
1: but it, it seems like, I mean, crazy. it's possible that the experience that they had in the house was a true paranormal experience. And then... People were like, "Oh, we can make money off this. Let's use these little girls," you know. Yeah. So totally that one could have been real. Then who knows moving forward? But yeah, it's yeah, and it's hard to know.
0: Well, now we know where the seances were born, or at least the first recorded ones. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that it's not just like, "Oh, so and so had a seance, and then their house became haunted, or whatever." It was like a like an event, like a spectator sport almost. Right. It was hugely popularized yeah and it still
1: is i mean probably not in like the mass way that it was but it's you see psychic shops and i mean we have a facebook group all about paranormal stuff you know so i feel like yeah it still is a part of our society
0: yeah super true i mean we're here we're talking about it Uh. (laughs) okay so i mean obviously we have a theme to our episodes so there's that (laughs) seances but we also have another theme And that is alcoholism. Oh, no. Well, this is actually kind of a positive story. I know yours took a turn for the worse towards (laughs) the end, but I think mine will go the opposite way because this is the story of Bill Wilson. And some people might recognize his name because Bill was one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. No way. A.A. Yes, I've already told so many. After doing this research, I have just been, I told my coworkers, I told some friends out here. Like, I was just like, listen to this story. That is awesome. I had no idea. Yeah, this is like, right? Yeah, this is, blew my mind. (laughs) Blew my mind. Okay. AA now has around 20 million members worldwide, and it is credited with helping many people with their addiction and maintaining sobriety. Bill, who was born back in like the, Late eighteen hundreds, his name is actually used as sort of like a code word for the AA community, and people will ask. Sorry if I'm getting this wrong too, <laughs> but I think people ask like, uh "Are you friends with Bill?" And that's basically code word for like, "Are you doing okay? Are you off the wagon? Oh, like, wow. do you need extra help? Are you friends with Bill?" And that's the code word, and it's Bill was one of the founders, so they still use his name and everything. He passed away in 1971, but his legacy lives on. Clearly, obviously we all know what AA is. He himself struggled with alcoholism during his lifetime, but after getting help, he pretty much remained sober up until his passing. Though some people said that on his deathbed he was like getting extra cranky and was demanding whiskey. Wow. But he he lived most of his life without without that once he got help, so Okay. You know? Yeah. Praise to him. Yeah, seriously. Bill was a Vermonter. A. He was a Vermonter? Yeah, yeah. He was born in East Dorset, Vermont in 1895. Uh, He had relatives with a history of alcoholism. And so it wasn't too much of a surprise that that was something that he kind of struggled with throughout his life. Right. And he also didn't have the best start to his life either. He and his sister were, after they were both born, I believe his sister was younger than him. After they were both born, his parents just straight up abandoned them. (gasps) Like, his dad left for a business trip and just never came back, just what? straight up didn't return from the trip. And then his mom left to go study study osteopathic medicine, which, like, good for her, but also don't abandon your children. So mm-hmm. Bill and his sister were raised by his mother's parents, so his maternal grandparents. Okay. Well, at least he was still raised by his family and they, they stepped in. Yeah, and that he got to stay with his sister as well. Yeah. That's something yeah. that I always think about when it comes to... People losing touch with family and and different situations happening, but still, like even even so, Bill was still pretty rebellious and a little crazy and very uninterested in school when he was growing up. And this kind of like ebbed and flowed. Like he he wasn't a great student, but then he started to turn things around a little bit in high school, and then he excelled in sports and in music. But then he also really really struggled with depression and panic attacks. Oh. And he was unable to finish college. I think he took, like, a semester off or a year off or something. Um, And then eventually he moved from Vermont to Massachusetts for military training. And then he soon began drinking very heavily. He said that he would drink so much he'd pass out, but people weren't very alarmed by it. So he was like, oh, well, this must be fine. I think people just did that.
1: That – I am so glad that that is not the case anymore. I mean –
0: well, now we have so much more awareness of right. like illnesses and diseases and right. vices and whatnot and like can recognize signs and recognize when people need help or something's maybe not so normal. But like when you saved that guy's day, life life. it was just like in the eh. library. Oh, my God. Yes. I forgot about that. Because it's so easy to see
1: something and like or see someone like kind of on the ground or in a position that like seems yeah. questionable and just walk by it.
0: Well, if you see someone foaming at the mouth and starting to choke on their own vomit you should call the cops which is what i did so scary that's you can't walk by that no yeah yeah so he he was just getting drunk all the time and like he had a bunch of drinking buddies a lot of people were doing it it was like the early 1900s and it just it didn't seem out of the norm for him or he didn't think so he eventually went back to school and then he actually went to law school but he was too drunk to go pick up his diploma so he technically didn't finish law school cuz he never grabbed his diploma. Ah. Should we go grab it for him? We should. Honorary <laughs> honorary degree. We will accept this for someone who doesn't know us and we've had no affiliation with whatsoever.
1: We'll hang it in our non-existent podcast office.
0: Yeah, oh I wish I wish. (laughs) Instead, I just sit cross-legged on my bed every single time and record in my tiny little room. Yeah. That would be nice if we had an office.
1: An office that extended from L.A. all the way to Boston so we could walk to each other.
0: Well, maybe Elon Musk will make a really fast tunnel between Boston and L.A. like he's doing out in California right now. To his house. Yeah, whatever. Selfish. (laughs) So he decides to work as a stock speculator. I'm not sure if, if I'm going to sound really stupid right now, but did I cut and paste that? Did I accidentally type the wrong word? I don't know what a stock speculator is. I think it sounds but real. Regardless, he did – it probably is. I don't think I mistyped that. But anyway, he he did something within stocks, but his constant drinking made him very difficult to work with and like he he just couldn't get it together, so – oh so in 1933 bill was committed to the charles b towns hospital for drug and alcohol addiction in new york city which is where he had moved with his wife so he went like vermont massachusetts new york um Mm -hmm. and he went there four separate times to get treated and it just wasn't really taking as as happens frequently i think people have to go you know it's not. don't get discouraged it's not a one one one-stop Shop. You can go as many yeah. times as you need. Yeah. But then a year later, one of his fellow drinking buddies visited him and talked about his own sobriety and how he maintained it through spiritual intervention and the guidance of this Christian group that he had been working with. So Bill was like, "I'll try it out," but wow. again, returned to drinking. So he tried. He tried to get into the spiritualism, and he he kind of still enjoyed it, and he eventually. I think was um, Catholic, but in terms of the actual spiritual intervention working for Bill, it didn't work like it did for his drinking buddy. So he, again, went back to the bottle and he uh, actually was getting treated for a different medical condition when he did have a spiritual experience. (sighs) So he... It wasn't really like from this group, although that introduced him to it. But he was getting treated for this medical condition. He was just so depressed and he was sick of being alcohol dependent. And he just yelled, I'll do anything, anything at all. If there be a God, let him show himself. Oh, my gosh. And to Bill's surprise, to Bill's surprise, a bright light came and suddenly he felt an extreme serenity. And that was it. He didn't touch alcohol. That was it. What? That was it. That was it. He's done. This one flash of light and this one moment forever changed Bill. And also one of his friends said that they had a similar experience as well. And so together they were like, well, let's try to help other alcoholics. And they worked with the Oxford group, which was an evangelical Christian group. So although like the group didn't exactly. Well, I guess they contributed too, but like, you know, they it wasn't under their treatment that Bill. Found his sobriety. He still wanted to work with this religious group to help other people. Whoa! So together they helped a hundred people maintain sobriety, and then they decided to write a book called Alcoholics Anonymous, with Bill as the author. Whoa! I and didn't even know was there was a 12. book steps program, and this book is where the twelve steps program was born. So this sounds pretty awesome, right? I mean, yeah. this guy Bill and his friends. They fix themselves and then they want to help others too. But we cannot give Bill all the credit because he himself credits spirits. That's right. Ghosts. Oh. With helping him maintain sobriety and actually write the twelve steps. So Spirits over spirits. Get it? I get it. Ha 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 ha. So Bill, after that first experience he had with the bright light and like him just having this like serene experience and just like that drop in the alcohol. He was so desperate to have another spiritual experience like that. And he wanted to be in contact with the spirit world and to feel that sort of like ecstasy again. And so he actually began taking LSD in supervised experiments to try to sort of break down that barrier between himself and the spirit world. Interesting. Not only did he do LSD, but he also, he and his wife, they set up a room in their house called the spook room. Which if we ever get an office, we should call it that. I love it. The spook room. Yeah. Wait, it's crazy. And this is where they would...
1: Something I didn't mention is that the house that the um, Fox sisters grew up in is re- referred to as the spook house. Wait, this is
0: this is a little creepy. Do, 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 do. Maybe, maybe whoever growled in our episode is starting to control what we do. <gasps> what is happening?
1: I mean, I'm kind of down with someone just being like, okay, like here, this is what you're going to do. It's kind of like having a manager without knowing it.
0: Yeah, but where's your free will?
1: We don't have it. We never will.
0: Or maybe we – is it any different if you think you have it even though you don't? That's the freaking question I ask every second of every day. (laughs) I'm fine with life. We're good. We're moving on. (laughs) Okay. So in the spook room, he and his wife would invite guests over and people would come and use the Ouija board and participate in seances Um, When they had a smaller group, when they had just like two or three friends over, they would often just use the Ouija board. But on some nights, when they had a larger group, they would use the entire table as the board, oh, essentially, and like the seance and put their hands on the edge of the table. And they'd dim the lights. They'd ask if there are any spirits present, if any have a message for them. And? Well, there were plenty of spirits that had messages. Ah! (laughs) Oftentimes... Guests and participants would hear tapping on the walls and ceilings, one or two taps answering yes or no. And sometimes the spirits would even tap out entire sentences and they would spell out letter by letter like three taps is C, four is D and so on. You oh, know? my the the alphabet. gosh.
1: Could you imagine having to be – what if it's like Zozo trying to talk to you and he has to tap so many freaking times just to oh, say <laughs> – Oh, my God.
0: That's where you need to legally change your name. If I were him, I'd be done. I'd be like, I'm being Coco now. <laughs> I'm just being A. Or caca. Ca. Caca, yeah. That's easy. Or <laughs> no one ooh, will forget it. Or
1: ba ba. That's creepier. Ah,
0: ba. That's, That's creepier so than creepy. caca. It's like ba ba duke. Yes, exactly. All these things happen. Like people were hearing stuff. And then on occasion, Bill would actually be the messenger himself. He would participate in automatic writing, which we've talked about before. Oh my and he would just hold up a pen and a paper and he would close his eyes and the spirit would just take his hand and write out their own message. Oh, that's so scary. So, Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> yes and no. I I can't imagine it happening to me, but I can imagine seeing it happen to someone else and absolutely losing my mind.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so scary.
0: Right. Pretty freaky. But also you might be thinking like, okay, well, especially after listening to your story, like if you close your eyes and start writing, like he could be faking it. Right, Taps right. and noises. They could have someone else in on it or some sort of like setup in the room. But here's what cannot be explained. The fact that on a few occasions during these seances, the table would literally lift up and levitate a few inches off of the What? Floor. It would float off of the floor as people were surrounding it, contacting spirits. Oh, I have chills. Oh, that is so scary. Yes. There was some wild stuff that happened in that room. Wild stuff. And the spirit, the spirits, like the spiritual encounters, they followed Bill elsewhere too. So it wasn't just in this room. He uh, would go lay on his living room couch and messages would be delivered to him. He would be sort of like in this half-wake half asleep state and he would just receive little bits and pieces of messages at a time. There would be like a little tapping sound. And then he himself would like just try to push, push out a letter or a word, and his wife would be sitting near him and she would write it all down. And sometimes the messages would be entirely new. And sometimes the messages would carry on with a story or a message from a previous visit that they had like a week before or a month before or whatever. So essentially Bill was a channeler. He was a medium. Wow. One night, Bill received a message in Latin, and he, like many of us, don't know Latin. So he was like, okay, well, I can't do much with this right now, but I will write this down, remember it, and I will bring it to someone who does know Latin.
1: Oh. So he
0: recorded the message, and he brought it to someone who – some professor. I didn't write his name down. Sorry, dude. Uh, So the message was actually a sermon that had been written by St. Boniface who is a 15th century monk. And this was basically the beginning of Bill's guidance from this saint, from this 15th century monk. And this monk would visit him and eventually lead him to the development of the 12 steps. What? Yes. So the story goes, Bill was laying down in bed and he asked for guidance for Like help with the book for help with creating some sort of program he asked for guidance Mm -hmm. and suddenly all of the words just came out of him and then he stopped and he was like let me review my notes what this is this all came very suddenly and this was like when he was in communication with this monk boniface boniface whatever Uh um And so then he's looking at his notes and he goes down and he kind of numbers them. He numbers them down based on sort of how they best fit or like can be categorized. And he goes one, two, three, all the way up to 12. And that was it. It was just 12, like the 12 apostles. And then there in front of him were the 12 steps to AA. This is blowing my mind because
1: it reminds me of so many things. It reminds me of down a dark hall. It reminds me of like biblical things where like God would like speak through Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. all of their disciples and then how mm-hmm. it reminds me of Seth Speaks or Seth, what, yes. what's it called?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one with the automatic writing.
1: Yeah. Like it's just such a weird combination of so many things that we've talked about and yeah, like right. divine intervention. Like at what it's so fascinating. Like why do they pick these certain things? Or Which again goes back to are things predetermined because it, are there specific things that need to happen? and they find the right people to i know channel these things through
0: and it's yeah and when these things happen it's so people are so quick to be like that's absolute madness that's crazy that can't be true and yet think about how many joe rogan actually talks about this i think in his new stand up i think that's where i was listening to it uh-huh. but basically the idea is that there are so many people that are Christian, like the Christian faith is huge. And it's based off this belief that Jesus is kind of getting back again. But whenever anything slightly miraculous happens, slightly spiritual, people are so quick to be like, bullshit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so crazy. There's such a disconnect there. I know. Not us. We believe. We believe. In I aliens. really. S- I was Oh, I was just about to say, I really wish that you did choose that costume that someone posted on our Facebook group that was just like an inflatable alien hugging a person like it's abducting you.
1: I mean, there's still time. But my hesitation with that is that, one, it's a big blowing up thing that I feel like is just a little inconvenient. And then also, I want my ad- abduction to be real and not fake. So
0: <laughs> don't want to jinx it. OK, so Bill with this monk, 15th century spirit of a monk, created the 12-step program. And Bill was also – so like while a lot of his experiences were based around trying to help people with alcoholism and like working within this program, he also was visited by plenty of other spirits that had nothing to do with his goals or like spirituality at all it was very much like he was just a channeler he was open to the spiritual world and he was visited by all the all of these ghosts an example of this is that he and his wife and maybe a few friends i don't know they went down to nantucket on a trip and they were staying in this place and the spirit of a norwegian sailor appeared to him and the sailor was complaining to bill that he uh he had died and he was talking about his death and then the next day two other spirits came to To Bill, and they were like, "Oh, we're captains of the whaling ships." What? And Bill was like, "Okay," and like noted their names and told a few people on the trip what he had seen. And everyone's like, "Yeah, sure, Bill. Like, you're Looney Tunes, but like, yeah, we'll just sure, okay, buddy." I mean, if people
1: just let him be drunk and like slumped over in his own throw up or whatever, of course they're gonna ignore him when he says this stuff, right?
0: Yeah, and they were just like, you yeah, know, well, that's just Bill. Let him let him be Bill. Jeez. Um, but then later on in the trip, they were touring around the town and they came across the Civil War memorial that had that first Norwegian sailor's name on it. Then not long after they were at the Nantucket Whaling Museum, and what names show up? Oh, just the two names of those whaling ship captains that came to him and were like, Hi, we're whaling ship captains. Oh my god. So everyone's like, Oh shit, Bill that was real (laughs) i'm glad they finally believed it yeah well they did but some people did some people didn't like his bill's contact with the dead wasn't exactly received well by by all uh many people thought that bill's quest for spiritualism and the time that he spent in the spook room and doing the seances and all that was actually really bad for him they thought that it was going to have negative effects actually on his alcoholism he's bill ended up not going to AA anymore because, well, and I sort of agree with him on this one. He said that he stopped going because he couldn't be anonymous anymore, which is the whole point of getting help and, and being there. Like he himself, being the person that he was and who he was in the program, he couldn't get the same sort of treatment and um, I don't know, help that the other people did. He lost that part. So he was like, you know what, I'm just not going to go. That's sad. It was. So he stopped going, but like he, he supposedly maintained his sobriety for most of his life. So it's not all bad, but people were also, the people that did believe in the ghost stuff too, were also like, well, I mean, it might not be good that he's doing the spook room and all this stuff either, because it's kind of making him a little crazy. He thinks he can summon spirits. And if he actually is summoning spirits, who's to say he's not going to summon a really bad spirit that's going to, yeah. you know, take the opportunity to pray on him, take advantage of this and actually hurt a lot of people because he's has all this influence over everyone now. Well,
1: when you said that in the very beginning, well, not in the beginning, but like when he reached out to like God and he was like, please just give me a sign, like, just like, you know, help me. Obviously, you said that it was a happy ending, but In my deepest heart of hearts, I was like, it's scary because when you put yourself in such a vulnerable position and vocalize that, you don't know what's coming to you. And he's lucky that it was something good and not something evil that was like, oh, perfect victim to prey upon.
0: Especially given his past, given what he's struggling with, given his uh, whole separate health issues outside of alcoholism and all of this stuff. It is really amazing that it wasn't something horrible and that it is something that's still helps millions of people today it's not just like oh and then he helped one person it's like there are people right now sitting down yep and going through these 12 steps in the program that bill and his Mm -hmm. colleagues created it's saving lives so yeah it really is um so despite everyone's reservations bill and his wife actually his wife is named lois i think I should have written it down and given her some credit because she was a big part of this, too, and all of the spiritual uh, interactions. But uh, they continued to conduct seances. Many of the seances actually became almost like this sort of meditation thing, bringing around, like, extreme calmness to everyone around them. So they, they – as much as people were like, you're crazy, you're <laughs> like, whatever, man. Like, we're going to do what we want. And so they did. Right. And so – bill was very focused on his spirituality and very focused on helping people he actually refused an honorary degree from yale and what? he refused to allow his picture to be shown on the cover of time magazine though time magazine still listed him in their top 100 list of most important people of the 20th century wow so he seems pretty cool yeah he seems awesome But also he wasn't perfect, don't get me wrong. He smoked a ton of cigarettes. Mm -hmm. He cheated on his wife. He was very difficult to work with, according to his colleagues.
1: But no one's perfect.
0: And in in the end, Bill is just a man who, through spirits and maybe some general stubbornness, created a program that has changed and saved millions of lives. Wow. Bill. So that's... That's the story of Bill Wilson and his seance that led to AA. It's
1: amazing. I, I love that we both picked stories that the seances had nothing to do with evil spirits.
0: Nothing to do with it. I know. It's so different because when you think seance, I immediately was like, oh, we're going to get into some shit this right. week. But this was, oh, was, I felt like it was so much
1: better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm already thinking about the next episode we do about
1: this because there's just so many <laughs> <laughs>
0: so many and it's so hard to pick and yeah. yeah i start like i feel like with every episode we research like half of something and then yep end up giving up halfway through and choosing something else because we're like oh but this i did that with this
1: i was doing H- houdini at first because i was like he, oh. he used to host seances every year to try to like because he wanted mm-hmm. to prove whether it was true or not so he wanted to do these seances to get evidence of its existence And then when he died, he was – Right.
0: I remember he he was, like, in some competition and some, like, well-known woman who was, like, known for her ability to contact the dead. She was, like, going to win all the money or whatever, but then she got disqualified because there was enough that the judges thought she was faking and blah, 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 blah,
1: blah. Uh Uh-huh. And then he also said, like, before he died, he was like, when I die, I will come back from the dead to prove whether it exists. And if I don't come back, it doesn't exist. But we know that's not how it works. Some people move on. Some people don't. And – Right. And what if he goes on and he's like, oh, wait, why would I ever go back? This is the best. Right. Exactly. And also, like, I wonder if – and I kind of hope this is not the case because I say I want to be a ghost all the time. But what if, like, if you want something so bad, like me wanting to be abducted by aliens, it's it's like when you get re- reach the spirit world, they're like – Sorry, you want it too bad. Like, we can't give that to you because yeah, you're going to use it. Yeah, you can't put it off
0: this, like, bad. nervous, desperate energy. Yeah. You have to just play cool.
1: Right. And then, like, also, like, maybe you didn't have the best intention for coming, going back to visit the living world. So, like, we can't give you that ability.
0: Or if we go into the whole thought of uh and belief in reincarnation, perhaps Houdini was sucked up into heaven or wherever you go. And then he thought he'd have time to go visit people. But they are immediately like, all right you you're up next and then he just gets shot into a vagina i just thought of when you said sucked up into heaven
1: i thought of the <laughs> the kid in willy wonka in the chocolate factory that like falls into the <laughs> chocolate found, like chocolate <laughs> pond and then gets sucked up the tube yep oh my god best scene ever that does sound like heaven though so sucked up in heaven all right i have a story let's hear it so i know i just said that we picked stories in the episode that, like, didn't mention any dark entities, and I'm going to just change that. Right. Because great, great, I have a dark soul that feeds off my positive energy and sometimes comes out.
0: <laughs> okay. So you just basically feed yourself. You're self-sustaining. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're like Iceland.
1: <laughs> okay. This is from Mariah.
0: Okay. Let me let me lay down so I can Get take comfy. my feet up and, and off of the... Uh, edge of the bed so nothing can touch me don't touch my feet
1: oh my god you totally just sounded like the horma Monstress from
0: <laughs> maya rudolph yes in, uh big mouth oh my god i'm totally channeling her
1: you could totally dress up as her for halloween damn it, it's
0: too late now i already have my costume okay so this is from mariah she says let me start off by
1: saying i am an extremely sensitive being and i can sense entities attached to houses and people just by walking past them I have also had dreams that come true on the reg- on the regular, and I can also actual project it's terrifying, but those are different stories Ooh. for another time. This story is the biggest one, and it pretty much started happening as soon as I was born. When my parents brought me home from the hospital, my mom started having extreme pains in her right shoulder. I would scream uncontrollably at all times during this time, and they would take me to the doctor and could not find anything wrong with me or with my mother. One evening, our pastors came over. And side note, my parents were assistant pastors. So anyway, Pastor Tony asked my mom if she knew that she had a demon on her shoulder, tormenting me as a baby.
0: Oh, wow.
1: They freaked out and prayed, and it detached from my mother, and the demon left the house. Now, as I was growing up, I was subjected to terrible night terrors and would wake up to dripping noises, growls, and random laughter. My parents always came to the rescue, casting this demon out of the house. We're talking front door flying open and it gusting out. A few years went by with no activity until I was about 15 or 16 and I had become more spiritual. Then, for almost a year straight, I would hear the back door of my dad's house open. No activity when I was at my mom's. But at my dad's, this would be in sort of a dream state and I would see a black entity come down the hall and sit on me trying to choke me or scratch me, basically trying to keep me on bed because I... Keep me on the bed because it knew as soon as my dad woke up, it would be in trouble and cast out. I never got any sleep. The old hag. Yeah. Then I started having dreams where a voice was telling me that this entity was going to kill my dad in order to get me and that I needed to be vigilant and make sure to wake him up every time. So I continued like this for weeks and I started having dreams of my dad having massive heart attacks. He was 40 at the time and was very healthy. I kept warning him. Holy crap. Yeah. I kept warning him obsessively, and he finally went to the doctor and was admitted for a small heart attack and ended up having a quadruple bypass surgery. Since I ended up saving him, all the activity in the house ceased until we decided to take a vacation to Colorado. My dad had been stuck in the house for weeks recovering. We ended up staying in a remote cabin near a small pond, and the front of the cabin was all windows, which comes into play later. We all had a fun few days with fishing and sightseeing, but then on the third night, I was asleep and I astral-projected. Standing at the foot of the bed was the most beautiful, evil looking man with yellow eyes. Most people think of demons as disfigured, ugly creatures, but that is a cloak for us to fear. Then you rarely see them as see them in their true form, but as fallen angels, they are gorgeous. I knew instantly that this man was the one I had been dealing with my whole life, and he just stood there staring at me without his mouth moving. He spoke and he said, I'm here to finish off your dad.
0: Oh my, no, you are not, buddy. And then he disappeared.
1: I reached for the doorknob to try to get out of the room, and I realized I was not in my body as I saw myself lying down in my bed, and I heard an enormous, loud, booming voice. It started screaming at me to get back to your body. Turn on the light. We don't have much time. It was extremely oh overwhelming.
0: My oh my god. I'm, oh, I can't even imagine. I know. <laughs>
1: It was extremely overwhelming. I woke in my actual body gasping. I ran for the light and then ran into the next room where my dad was sleeping and he was not there. I ran into the living room with all the windows and there he was sleeping on the couch. I started screaming at him to wake up. He woke up, panicked, and I told him the demon is here. He's trying to kill you. I then look out the windows and see the bushes moving like someone is stroking them as they're coming up to the door. And I told my dad, that's him. We have to start praying. We immediately started praying that this demon was not allowed to come into the house and I felt... Him moved towards the door. The next thing we see is a face print, like when it's cold and you breathe on the windows. We could see something breathing on the windows, but nothing was there.
0: Oh my god. That's a horrible visual.
1: Uh Uh-huh. We cut our trip short and we went home the next morning. That evening, we had our spiritual advisor come over and we did a sort of anti-demon seance. I honestly don't remember much of what happened that evening, but I know I have never experienced or seen that particular entity again. Thank you guys for reading. I know it was long and very creepy. I'll see you on the other side, Mariah.
0: Mariah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, number one, just to make light of the situation, I can only – I'm, like, picturing how confused the demon must have been when she astral projected. I was just standing there staring at him, and he was like, oh, shit, I better run and get to what I need to do because she can see me now.
1: I'm so curious because people say when you're astral traveling or projecting – that like it leaving your body like that leaves you in a very vulnerable position and that like darker entities to
0: go too far
1: can come in and take you. So I wonder if they they have a way of knowing when you're projecting like then he came to him came it's to like her insidious. specifically.
0: Yeah. I'm scary also and very here. glad that her that her dad like actually Listened. was receptive to what she was saying. You know. Right. Well, I
1: mean, after the first time she kind of told him that this thing was trying to kill him, he went to the doctor and had heart surgery. So like, I feel like you're her dad after that experience. You're like, okay, I for sure believe my daughter. It's scary and creepy, but like, yeah.
0: I wonder who it was that was yelling at her to get back to her body and to hurry. I know. It sounds like there's some protective spirit. which is
1: amazing and fortunate that she has that because it's also, do you remember that story? I can't remember what episode or who it was, but there was that story of a woman who realized that her older self had like projected to a past timeline to warn her of like someone's death through the vent. But I wonder if like her self is protecting her. You know, like, a weird time glitchy thing where, like...
0: Yeah. Like, if you don't go now, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life sort of thing. Like, now is your opportunity to change it. Oh, there's so many possibilities. Perhaps. Okay, well, I have one for us. Okay, what is it? This is called Devilish Delights. Hi, girls. I've been listening to you both since this winter, and the promise of haunts and murder seemed too good to be true. And I want to say thank you both for the hard work you both put in for all of us every week. Anyway, on to the story. Since I was little, I've always been around ghosts, and I never really thought much about why that is, but I live in Ohio. All we have is corn and ghosts. (laughs) <laughs> Which is funny because last week I was like, "All Ohio has is woods and deer," but I guess oh it's my ghosts. That's pretty close. Due to the ever-present shadow people in my room, odd voices, and always being able to tell who was calling before they called, or if something bad was going to happen, I decided I could control Ouija boards. Oh. I was eleven and young, and wanted to show off my cool tricks to my other way too young friends. And from then on, my friends and I would always play with the Ouija boards or contact spirits in some way when we were together. We thought we were going to be cool and that we were invincible. It never actually occurred to us that our actions had consequences. Yeah. Within, that time, within that time, we had caught shadow people on camera, what? had a ghost mess with the cameras that we were using when recording a seance, no. and had all experienced voices, apparitions, and or nightmares. That is a shit ton of activity she's like 11 (laughs) crazy yeah they did a lot in those elementary school years middle school years the summer between middle school and high school was hard on my family as my mom had become terribly sick and she had been hospitalized all summer it wasn't unusual for me to be home alone during the doing the chores my parents couldn't do while they were away and taking care of my siblings one day when I was home alone, I turned to look into the laundry room to see a little boy standing there. He was all gray as if he were in an old time movie and he was dressed wow. in newsy type clothing. I didn't freak out or scream or even deem it as scary as I turned back to do the dishes. I was used to it at this point. The house always has b- has had a bad energy and this just seemed normal. Oh my gosh. I never told anyone what I saw until after my mom had made a full recovery and was working again. When I told my parents, my mom had disclosed to my dad that her first memory was rebuking Satan in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. What? My mom had no memory from the May of that summer until the beginning of October, and this was the first thing that she remembered. For some reason, both of my parents were unperturbed when I told them about my ghost sighting, they seemed to think that I had just made it up, and I spent the next three years trying to figure out exactly what that boy had been or who he had been, and it didn't occur to me until one of the last times I had used a say I had a seance slash used a Ouija board that the boy was demonic oh no unfortunately this realization came with an incredibly horrible darkness that laid over our house for months oh. I could vividly see shadow people walking and murmuring to each other in my room <sighs> I would often wake up to people I loved who didn't live with me screaming my name what? as if trying to get my attention <gasps> and our beloved family dog wouldn't come down the stairs to the, my side of the house unless he was protecting my mom oh. The presence lifted gradually as no one fueled it anymore, but to this day, being in that house alone still gives me the creeps, especially when I'm outside at night. Wow. I'll send in more experiences that I have later. I went to undergrad at Ohio University and have some horrifying experiences about there too. Oh, my gosh. Love you all. Mandolin. Whoa. That.
1: I mean... I don't know guys don't play with Ouija boards that's all I can
0: say yeah it's crazy too that like like she felt the negative energy she saw the negative energy she saw the boy manifesting or the demon manifesting in the form of a boy I knew it was bad but it took took a while to realize that like that energy was actually like affecting her mom
1: yeah
0: you know it was like her mom was possessed for a period of a few months and we've heard about that before like some of the possession cases that we cover are a little more intense you know with people like screaming and guttural sounds coming mm-hmm. out of them and all that sort of like cinematic sort of possession case but a lot of people it's almost sometimes it almost mirrors depression where right they are really ill or can't move much don't want to ever come out of their room and then suddenly Everything changes. It's just like a flip of a switch, and everything's fine all of a sudden. And all the like, they can't remember what happened in that period. It's right. like they that's just.
1: I mean, that's the part that's really, kind of the, cherry on top in that situation because it's like there's so many other explanations, especially if she had remembered it all. But like the fact that she has no memory, it just like it, one, it blows freaky. my mind and is terrifying to even imagine coming back from months and having no memory of that time
0: yeah and your first memory is screaming about rebuking satan and calling on jesus christ that's an intense and i'm also shocked that her parents were like i wonder if her parents actually did kind of like push push off the ghost story like oh whatever or if they did it because they maybe knew something was up and was like don't let her yeah. feed it any energy. Don't let her think right. that it's anything. Oh, so scary. Wow. Okay. Well, guys, if you guys have ghost stories of your own, yes. you can email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, if you guys go do any seances or spooky sh- stuffs while you're celebrating the Halloween season, especially this weekend, tell us everything. Be safe this week and be smart and be kind and give out great candy not with any poison in it
0: watch where you're going in the road Mm -hmm. traffic running around watch where you're driving Mm -hmm. don't drunk drive etc 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 but have so much freaking fun (laughs) post your costumes on our facebook group why wouldn't we want to see them Ooh, and post like your really – your scariest stories
1: on our Facebook Facebook group because that's going to like get everyone in the mood and get real spooky.
0: It will be great. And then we can all together watch Hocus Pocus on Wednesday on Freeform because they're doing a marathon. Um, So you can join our Facebook group. You can join or follow us on Instagram and you can follow us on Twitter.
1: Yes, and then we have many ways that you can support us. The first is listening, obviously. But then we have Patreon, which we include all these fun bonus tiers. And on our Patreon, we're going to start doing – we're going to post the topics earlier so you guys get a heads up on what we're going to do. And then if you guys have any questions, you can comment on the topic
0: post. And maybe we'll answer them in that episode. You can rate and review us on iTunes. Um, And then we also have merchandise. It's year round merchandise. You know, it doesn't have to be October just to rep some spooky gear Mm -hmm. or some sage stick, ghost cluster, crow sort of whatever. All the fun stuff. And And we we will will. see you you on the other other side.
1: Very spooky.